0: Man, I am full of joy and excitement this morning. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Um, I'm so grateful to the Lord and how He chooses to do things. And uh, I, I feel like week after week, I'm just realizing more and more, like the Lord is just opening my own eyes and my own heart to see the, the joy of following Jesus every single day. Every single day, there is something more of Him that I get to experience, where there's that good sense, thank you so much, of familiarity and that I, I I know Him and I know what He's like, yet every single day, there's an opportunity for a fresh touch and a fresh experience of the goodness of God in a way that I've never known before, and uh, today, uh, I'm so just Thankful to the Lord and, and so deeply moved that um, people gave their lives to the Lord today because I just really had a, like the message of, of first love on my heart today. And um, I, I don't want to preach it from a perspective of like, hey, let's all return to that place. But I, what I felt stirring on my heart this week is remembering that first time that you encountered Jesus. Jesus. Can you remember that moment like we got to witness today so beautiful? Can you remember the time that the presence of Jesus first came into your heart, touched your life, and you felt that liberty and that joy? Like finally everything that your soul and your heart had been searching for had finally um, been met. You'd finally gotten to grab hold of something that, that gave you purpose, that gave you life, and it was nothing but the person of Jesus that could do it. And that's a joyful thing to to remember, but my heart is that we wouldn't look back at a moment as if that was the only time, but that actually that was the the defining, uh, marking thing that set the tone for the rest of our journey with the Lord. That it wasn't, hey, one encounter and let that sustain you for the rest of your life. But actually that every single moment of every day, there'd be an opportunity to encounter the Lord in a new and fresh way, experience Him and encounter Him and know Him so intimately, um, which is the joy, the greatest joy of the Christian life, Amen. I remember <clears throat> when just before I, I, I gave my life to Jesus, before I first encountered the Lord, um, I was—I try to keep this short because I don't have time to share my whole testimony today. But um, I was pursuing my own life, trying to build my own thing, setting my own goals, and doing all this kind of stuff. And um, I remember. The more and more things that I began like taking off of my list of goals, so to speak, and ambitions, the more I felt like an overwhelming, unsatisfying feeling with life. Like just every time I felt like I'd stepped into the next thing, like, well, this would be it. This is what I've been waiting for. This is what I've been working for. This is supposed to be it. I'd, I'd get there and I remember having these overwhelming feelings of like, is this it? Like, is this all that it's going to be, you know? And then you convince yourself, okay, it's all right, just keep on going. Once you, once you achieve that next thing, get to that next stage in life, achieve that next thing, whatever it looks like, then that'll be the thing that, that brings some kind of sense of purpose and satisfaction to my life. But we know, hopefully we all know, that that's a horrible, horrible trap to be in. And it really is just the way of the world, that there really is nothing, nothing outside of the person of Jesus that will ever satisfy the longings of your heart. And... Um, the week that I got saved, I was in Cape Town, and it was, it was so crazy. I was busy taking something off of my list. It was like a goal of mine, what I was doing down there for work. And while I was there, um, Max was busy encountering the Lord. I had no idea. She was back home in Joburg. And she was just getting rocked by Jesus, reading the word, um, feeling conviction in a a holy, beautiful way of like an invitation from the Lord to say, like, come out of where you are and come into all that I have for you. Like, let me be everything to you. And um, while that was happening, I'm like, in my own mind, you know, having a time of my life, like living the dream. And it was in that week that I had the most profound feeling of feeling unsatisfied with life. Like, I was looking out at everything that I thought was for me, that I was working hard to have. And I remember, like, I'd never felt an emptiness like that before. And it was so crazy to me that I had no idea. But in that same moment, Max was busy encountering Jesus. That's my wife, by the way. And uh, when I came back home, um, I came home to a different person. And it freaked me out. (laughs) Like it, It really freaked me out. I was very far from the Lord. And um, there was, I can describe it this way now because I understand what it was, but there was genuinely a holiness about her. Like the presence of the Lord was on her and the way that she looked, the way that she spoke, um, everything about her was completely different, like night and day, and it really, really frightened me, to be honest. I had no idea what to do with that situation. And um, long story short, she explained to me what had happened, that she'd encountered Jesus, and um, uh, she handled me with such grace because I remember... (laughs) There were a few times that Max tried to go after the Lord, and I think my initial response when she said that was, not this again, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, which I'd really regret, but here I am serving Jesus now, so it's all good. Um, but she explained how it was, it was real, and, and I could see it was undeniable. Like, I'd, I'd heard people obviously speak about Jesus before, and I'd been in those environments myself uh, in, in high school and all of that, but I'd never... To that extent, someone who was so close to me seen a transformed life, seen the marks and the evidence of Jesus touching somebody and changing them forever. And uh, she handled the situation with such grace. I remember she said to me, like, I'm, I'm never going to, um, you know, force anything on you or give you any kind of ultimatum, but this is where I'm going. I'm following Jesus, no matter what that costs, no matter what that looks like. And um, she said to me, you know, Before you, you know, make any kind of decision or freak out or whatever, just, I ask you to just give this a go. To just go be alone and actually pray and and, and seek this out for yourself, you know. And then whatever you decide from there, that's all cool, but I'm going after Jesus. And uh, we had this little, um, like, cottage at the time, and uh, I went in there and prayed sincerely for the first time in my life. And felt the presence of a person come into the room. And um, I was rocked, like deeply and profoundly rocked, like I'd never experienced a a love and a peace and and joy and freedom like that in my entire life, where in a moment, it's like my whole life, I had tasted and seen what the world had to offer, and I was left deeply unsatisfied. But the moment that I had tasted and seen, which means I experienced, tangibly experienced the person of Jesus, it changed me forever forever. It's like once you've experienced that, you, you just can't go back to what you once had. You can't. It's impossible. There is no way for your life to look the same in any way once you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And the Bible's a, an amazing thing. It's the Word of God. And there's so many scriptures that I remember um, just reading and, uh, at the time that put so much language to what I was experiencing, which was the gospel, the gospel in action in my life, encountering the person of Jesus. Um, and that's a little bit of what I want to talk about today, just following on a little bit from last week for those that were here. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to turn with me to Matthew 13, verse 45, Matthew 13, verse 45. It's a short little parable. It's really profound. And this has been something that has just rung in my heart for years. And it's something that the Lord brings me back to over and over. Often when he's trying to teach me something. Um, Verse 45. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. I read that again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl, one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. See, this rocked me because it, it, like, it was something that gave me language to, to what I had been experiencing, where I think that innately in our in our design, in our makeup as human beings, the way that the Lord has designed us is that there is something inside of us that knows that there's something more than the life in front of me that I see. And it's like, we, from the moment we you know, can comprehend that from a very young age, we, we spend our entire lives searching for significance in something, searching for something that's going to give me some kind of purpose, searching for something that's going to satisfy my heart, satisfy my life and make me feel alive, Right. And, you know, for most people that will be in things like work and our careers, maybe in relationships, but it could really be in anything. Like, it's like we're always looking. We're like merchants. Our hearts are like merchants in search of fine pearls, right? Something that's going to have some kind of value to our life. But this really rocked me because it says this merchant who on finding one pearl of great value, one pearl of great price, there is only one pearl of great value. And that is the person of Jesus. And I love this because once he recognizes the value of this one pearl, he sees the the worthiness of Jesus, the value of Jesus, and the right response is to put all of my value, all of my worth, everything that I am into him. Are you with me? The right response of seeing the worthiness of Jesus, seeing the all-sufficiency of Jesus, the beauty of Jesus is to lay down my life at His feet. It demands an all-in kind of response. But the thing is, if that's only something that we know about, like I, I know from hearing about it that he's, that he's good, that He's wonderful, that He's beautiful, that, is nothing, that there's nothing like His presence. But if I haven't experienced that for myself, you can understand why it would be difficult to give yourself fully to something if you don't really know for yourself how good it actually is, right? And the Lord's heart, the way that He's actually designed us is to be a people for encounter. Everything about us, everything about the way that we are is designed to encounter the person of Jesus. And I believe that the Lord's heart, in us giving everything, is may in a moment feel like, uh, like loss, like Paul describes, like the things that I once counted as gain. But... I counted all his loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my lord. It's like all the things that I had built up in my life, all the things that I was striving towards, I realized that that was that was nothing. That was never going to give me that that deep sense of of satisfaction of like this is why I'm alive. Nothing but the person of Jesus is ever going to give me that feeling. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 there's a scripture, the words are quite similar. It says that um, God has put eternity in the hearts of man. You guys heard that one before? He's put eternity in the hearts of man. That's describing like there's something in our hearts innately that's like there's got to be something more than what I see around me. There's got to be more than just the mundane, you know, things of life. Like our our hearts are wired that way to feel that because He's already placed eternity in our hearts. And in the Amplified Translation, it adds, um, you know, how it adds those little brackets. And it adds something that explains that so beautifully. It describes eternity in our hearts as a mysterious longing that nothing under the sun except for God can satisfy. Don't you love that? A mysterious longing that nothing under the sun can satisfy except for God himself. And where that really has shaped my life in a lot of ways is the Lord spoke to me through that verse a couple of times where I, I realized that I'd started even making, say, like the, the things of God. Even now being a, a saved, born-again believer, that I started making things like his promises and uh, you know, things that I felt like I was called to, I started making those things the point, making those things like, okay, you know, going after those things and and misplacing the the desires of my heart. And the Lord spoke to me through that. He was like, you need to understand that even the things of me are not going to satisfy you. It's me, the person of Jesus. Only God himself will satisfy your heart. So every single one of us are going to have different assignments and callings and promises that he speaks into our hearts. And those are all beautiful things. I love it so much. But the caution that I feel even in my own heart is to go like to never make those things the point. Never make those things like or the fulfillment of those things that what's going to give joy and happiness to your life or a sense of fulfillment. But the person of Jesus himself is everything that we need. And only when he really is everything to us can we begin to enjoy those things? Well, they, they won't be things that have a grip or a hold on our hearts, but they'll things that we can step into with joy and with grace and with anointing. Does that make sense? I'm excited, like just in my own heart, and just seeing what the Lord is doing in 24/7 church and the church in the nations, just globally that there really has for a long time been a just a simplifying and a, like a purity that the Lord is restoring or a simplicity that He's restoring and coming back to simply loving Jesus. And that's not a settling. That's not a, a compromising. That's actually coming coming into our highest call, which is to be priests unto the Lord, to minister to Him, to love Him and to bless Him. Amen. And um, the point Every moment of every single day of why we are alive is to love the person of Jesus. I felt challenged um, even yesterday morning as I was just spending time with the Lord and and preparing for today, thinking about like, uh, thinking about preaching or putting together sermons and things like that and and you know coming from places where we are very influenced by you know western culture all the western church should i say where there's series and and all these different teachings and all this kind of stuff and i felt the lord challenged me on like Can you simply, for the rest of your life, every day, get excited about just the person of Jesus alone? Not all the the fluff and the things around and, and all the different things which are valuable and beautiful. I'm not taking away from that. But just the person of Jesus alone, will that excite your heart and make you come alive every single day? And if not, like, obviously the answer is like, well, of course. But can we be honest and say that every day the person of Jesus excites my heart? Have I positioned my life in a way, am I stewarding my heart in a way where he really is everything to me? Not just in my mind, not just as a statement, but as the pursuit and the direction of my life. Am I pursuing him as if he really is everything to me? It's a good question to ask ourselves. And if you feel that tension of like, oh, I'm not sure, sometimes being aware of that tension is a good thing because it helps you to then make the decision. That you can feel that maybe you're somewhere in between, but there's grace, more grace actually, to say, Lord, I want to love you with everything that I am every single day. I want the pursuit of your presence, the joy of my salvation to be the focus of my life every minute of every day. That I believe that there's even grace um, that as we are working and doing the, the things that he's called us to, to still experience the person of Jesus, like serving and doing all the things that he's called us to are not separate from him. That's where things can actually get a little bit messy. I think some of the the times that I've been most frustrated in my Christian journey is when I've subconsciously separated the things that I felt called to on the person of Jesus, or I've treated the secret place as a means to an end. In other words, well, I've got to spend time with Jesus so that I can do these things. And what happens is that's something where self-ambition has crept into the mix. And I feel like the Lord... um, I'm just sharing what he's doing in me and I really believe it's for a lot of people today is that he's just really bringing us to the place and I know it's a simple, simple word but this is everything and that that Jesus would really, the person of Jesus would really be everything to us. He'd really be everything in our lives. Where what He has called us to is incredible. The different assignments and the the giftings and the things that we get to do as a people of God are are necessary, important, and beautiful. But the point of everything is that Jesus would be glorified. Jesus would be worshipped. That people would actually encounter Him for real, like we saw today. That people would give their hearts to the presence of Jesus and encounter Him. Not just the message, but the man. If you want to turn with me uh, to Revelation chapter 2, we're going there. (laughs) This is um, from chapter 2 in Revelation. This is the the letters to the churches that Jesus sends out in uh, chapter 2 from verse 1. Excuse me, is the the letter to the church in Ephesus. And um, I'll just read from verse 2. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and have not grown weary." That's really good news so far, right? Some of you already know where it's going. But so far, it, it sounds really good. They're, they're doing things well. They're resisting evil. They're, they're identifying false apostles, false teaching in the church. And the Lord even speaks about their attitude. He's like, hey, you're actually enduring patiently. You're, you're actually doing this pretty well. Um, I know your works. I know your tour. I love this. And he even says, you haven't even grown weary. So like their their heart in in serving the church, doing the works of the ministry, he's he's celebrating that. He's saying, your attitude has been good in all of that. You've been doing all the things and I love it. But I love this so much because it really reveals where Jesus places the most value um, on what we do and who we are. Because the very next verse, verse 4, he says this, but I have this against you. That you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Some translations will say your first love. Verse 5, he says, remember therefore from where you have fallen. I love that. It's like doing all the stuff doesn't make you more deep or more mature or whatever it is. It's, it's that first love where he is everything. Like I spoke about, can you remember that first moment that you encountered the beauty and the presence of Jesus? Where your life was marked forever, forever changed. Clinging to that first love and growing in that every single day. That's what he's calling the church back to. He's like, hey, doing all the stuff, that's amazing. I love that you're doing that. You're resisting evil. You're identifying false teachers. You're enduring for my name's sake and you're doing it without even growing weary but I have this against you, that you have abandoned your first love. That hasn't remained as your one thing. That hasn't remained the, the joy and the cry of your heart anymore. And I want to say that this is something that, that doesn't happen overnight. Like, this is something that happens so subtly and often out of sincerity in a, in a thing that like you know, when you, go to, when you go to the nations and even in our own city, you realize that there is a lot of work to be done when we're talking about ministry. There's a lot of work to be done. 3.2 billion people that have never heard the name of Jesus. That's a lot of work, right? That is super important. That matters. We need to care about that. But what needs to motivate our decision to be a part of that, what needs to be the the fuel and, and everything that motivates us, carries us and empowers us to go out and do the work of the ministry and to do it with a good attitude is clinging to our first love, clinging to the person of Jesus. He says, remember from where you have fallen. In other words, I've called you to live in a place of great height, seated in Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. That is the reality of the believer. That you're here right now, but you're also in the heavenly places, seated with, uh, at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. How that works, I don't know, but that's incredible. Which means that every moment of every day, there's an opportunity for you to just pause. I've been encouraging a few people with this. When you feel really overwhelmed by whatever you're doing in your day, work or whatever it is, take two seconds to just pause and remember that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. To remember that He's actually put His Spirit inside of you. To just pause and say, Lord, thank you that you're with me. I love you, thank you for your grace, thank you for your mercy and your anointing to do what you've called me to do. You are everything to me, I worship you and I love you. And you'll just feel how that begins to shift your heart, shift your perspective, energizes your body to do whatever he's called you to do. But now the focus of your heart, the focus of your mind is that Jesus will be exalted in all that I am in everything that I'm called to do. Does this make sense? And he says, remember therefore uh, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. In other words, those works that were fueled and carried by the love of Jesus, by him being our everything, right? Um, If not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. That's talking about the influence of the church, the light that the church actually carries. Which is incredible that it's not just about doing the stuff. There's a lot of people and organizations that are not faith-based that are doing a whole lot of quote-unquote good things in the world, right? But what's going to carry influence, what's going to demonstrate the light and the glory of the Lord is a people who cling to their first love are people who have been marked by the person of Jesus and are not just concerned about doing or or ticking the boxes and doing all the things, but that what fuels those things is the glory of God. What fuels those things is that I have seen Him, I have beheld His glory. He has filled my heart with His love. He's filled my heart with His desires that now I am doing these things with the zeal and the love of Jesus in and through me. That looks totally different. That is a church that will take the world by storm. I love in Acts when the apostles come and they're like, these are the guys that have turned the world upside down. Why? They were wild, wild lovers of God. Throw them in prison, they're just going to scream out worship songs and angels will set them free and there's just nothing that you can do to them because it's not just about getting a job done, it's about making sure that Jesus is everything to everyone that we meet. Are you with me? This is like a really simple thing, but my encouragement to us is that something that I'm learning more and more is that the significance of being intentional, of stewarding your heart every single day before the Lord is priceless. To never let a day go by where you don't posture your heart in a place of going, Lord, let the gospel touch my heart again. Let me not forget the joy of my salvation. Let me not forget the joy and the, the experience of actually knowing you intimately, tangibly, because our hearts go to sleep when that 's not the point of our lives anymore. You can get caught up in the things of God and miss God completely and I know i don 't want that. I really don't want that i 've experienced that more times than i'm than i 'm proud of and It's not what the Lord has for us. To not get so wrapped up in what you think you're supposed to do that you miss the person of Jesus entirely. Even the things of God, the the promises and the assignments, that's not going to bring a a satisfaction to your heart. It'll be amazing. We're going to enjoy fulfilling the Great Commission. We're going to enjoy the works of the ministry, all those things. It's incredible. Like, don't hear what I'm not saying. But the point is that without the joy of our salvation, without the joy of our first love, we'll get so entangled in those things where we'll become performance um, orientated, where it's all about being able to measure how well I'm doing, how successful my ministry is. Well, am I walking in the call of God in my life? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? And before you know it, you're spiraling because you've gotten caught up in so many different things when the Lord's called us to come to the highest place and say, hey, Do those things, that's great, but remember your first love. Never ever move on from that place. You don't graduate from it, right? I feel like as we learn to to stay in that place of just loving Jesus... Something that the Lord is teaching me is that, like, that, that joy of salvation that we first ever experienced, the moment that you got saved, like I said in the beginning, is not reserved for just that moment. It's an every day, every moment thing. Like, that's never supposed to be a joy that fades as you mature. That's supposed to be a joy that I believe should grow and grow. Why? Because you're seeing Him more every single day which means that my joy should be increasing because in His presence there is fullness of joy. He is love, which means that the fruits of love should be increasing in my own heart and in my own life because I'm pursuing Him. And then it doesn't matter what He calls me to. He could call me to something today and something totally different tomorrow and that's not where I'm going to find my significance This is what I want to encourage us with this morning is that we need to make sure, simple word, but I promise you this will change your life if you grab hold of this. Make sure that all of your value and your significance is found in the person of Jesus alone. Don't let your heart grab onto just the things of God and the promises, but Him, the person of Jesus. It can get really messy when we don't do that. Um... One more scripture. Can you turn with me to Luke chapter 10? Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. All know the story. Martha and Mary... Um, I was meditating on this this week and uh, I love the scriptures so much because how many of you have had that feeling where you can read the same scripture over and over again and it's like every time the Lord just shows you something different. That's so simple, but like something that you just never really saw before or saw in that way. And uh, I I had that again this week with this particular passage and um, I hope to just set some hearts free today. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Okay, first thing, I think this has been taught from so many different angles. And what I hope to do today is to really highlight that serving was not the problem in Martha's life. Because who was she serving? Jesus, that's, that's a good thing, right? Amen, we're all in agreement there, serving Jesus is a good thing. She welcomes him into her house, also a beautiful thing. She welcomes the person of Jesus into her space, and she wants to serve him. But the problem was not the serving. Listen to what it says, it says, Martha was distracted with much serving. In other words, though the sincerity and desire to serve Jesus was in her heart, and that's a good thing, that became something that consumed her in a way that she began, her heart actually began neglecting the person of Jesus who was in her home. So serving started becoming the point when he was right there. So although she was serving him, she was missing him completely. <laughs> I don't know if it's you or Todd White that says she was making sandwiches that he didn't order. You know? <laughs> I love that. But then you see the description of Mary and it says that she sat at the Lord's feet And listen to his teaching. Sitting at his feet. This is like a posture of surrender. She's placing herself at the feet of Jesus to say that all that I am, I'm laying at your feet. Every single part of me is here. It's a posture of surrender. It's a posture of intimacy. And she is listening. So she's not going, I'm going to assume what the right thing to do in this moment would be. It's probably going to be to make him sandwiches. Maybe he's hungry. Sincere, beautiful thing. But she sat first at his feet and listened to what he had to say but Martha was distracted and it's not that serving was the issue that's never an issue it's at the heart posture Mary's heart was anchored in a place of one thing of the good portion which is to sit at the feet of Jesus it's a good thing to want to serve the lord Amen? Like it's a good thing to want to do things for him, to want to get things done, to change the world. Like it's a good thing to feel that in your heart. You want to change the world for Jesus. But every single day, I want to make the decision for my own heart to be someone that would first sit at his feet and listen to what he has to say. Because sometimes he just wants you to sit there. And in our minds, in our way of life that can often feel like the most unproductive thing like hey we should be doing something getting out there but sitting at the Lord's feet is the most fruitful thing that you could ever do with your life the most fruitful thing that you could ever do with your life is to sit at his feet and listen to what he has to say because then when he sends you you're a different person you're ready to make those sandwiches now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I love this. He says, one thing uh, is necessary. She's chosen the, go- the good portion, which will not be taken from her. There is never a moment where the Lord is going to be like, hey, stop loving me and get the job done. He doesn't separate those things. He anchors us in his love. By inviting us to come and sit uh, at his feet and listen to his word. And from that place, he commissions us from a place of love. It says that for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And then Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. He sends us from a place of love. So if we're not anchoring ourselves in the place of the love of Jesus, the first love of our lives, then we can't expect to really see healthy Jesus fruit in the things that we do. I'm excited. This is an encouraging word. I hope you are hearing it in that sense because I I think that the Lord is... He already is doing incredible things through this community, but I'm exceptionally, extremely excited because I feel like what we're going to see in these last days, and we hear this all the time, but I mean it, is so much greater and glorious than we can even comprehend. And it's because it's going to take a people that have fully given themselves to loving Jesus at the point of why we are alive, the point of everything that we do is that the name of Jesus would be glorified and exalted. Whether I'm alone in my room with Him, whether I'm with a community, community of people, whether I'm in, in my workplace, whether I'm in the nations, whatever I'm doing, I'm a lover of Jesus and I want others to know him and to come to a place of loving him too. It's like in, in 1 John he writes, we, we testify to the things that we have seen and heard so that you too could have fellowship with us because our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus. The point of preaching the gospel is to invite people into the fellowship that we have which is fellowship with Jesus. That's real. That's active. That's not just a a nice thing to say. It's like there is a life of intimacy and friendship with God that he has called us into. And I, every single day, I I don't want to settle for anything less than that. There is no assignment or calling that could ever be more glorious than sitting at the feet of Jesus. And until we come to the place of really actually believing that and, and carrying that out, like actively pursuing that every day, I don't think we'll ever really experience the joy of what he has for us to step into. It's got to be the overflow of the joy of knowing Jesus. That changes everything. Amen? When our hearts are anchored in our first love, which is Jesus, and our value is found in Jesus alone, this will produce serving good works and fruitfulness in our lives. We're meant to see those things, but it's got to, we've got to just shift around which way we're trying to make that happen. It's not, let me do the things so that I can fall in love with Him. It's, I want to fall in love with Jesus, and the overflow of that is going to be a fruitful um, serving life. So, everybody should sign up to be a part of the serve teams after today. You can speak to Matt and Robin. We have an end-year celebration coming up soon, just in time for you to be a part of it if you sign up today, because you're all in love with Jesus, right? <laughs> no, it's good. That's a, that's a good point. If you ever feel like you have been there, done that when it comes to serving, it's a good indication of where your heart at, is at with the Lord. If you feel like, I've already done that, put in my time, I'm called to different things now. Just be careful. The highest place to be is loving Jesus. And the fruit of loving Jesus is a servant heart. The disciples would always ask Jesus, who's the greatest among us? He would say, it's the least of these. Don't be like the Gentiles who lord their authority over one another. But be those like Jesus who would wash feet, which in context was like the lowest of the low thing to do. There was no one lower than somebody who washed feet. And Jesus took that posture, serving with my whole life. Why? Because I'm in love with Jesus. And I'm willing to give my whole life for those who he loves too. Is that okay? So if there's anything that you take away from what I've said today, let it be this, that loving Jesus is very simple. Don't overcomplicate that in your head, what that looks like. Just be faithful every single day to carve out time to be alone with Him. Even if you've got five minutes, don't discount that five minutes. Use the five minutes. And I promise you, your heart will begin to long for more. And you'll make 10 minutes. And then you'll make 15 minutes. And it will grow and grow. And you'll begin cultivating a life of intimacy where you can be alone with Him. You can be at work with Him. All these different things. you become aware of His presence in everything that you do. And that will change how you speak, change how you serve, change what you do. It will change everything about your life because that's the power of the love of God. So every day, be intentional about pursuing your first love, which is the man, Jesus. Read the scriptures every day. This is Jesus' imprint. Let him speak into your heart. Sit at his feet. And I promise you, he will do incredible things in and through your life because he loves you. Amen? Will you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your presence here today, Jesus. Thank you for all that you are doing in this beautiful community, Lord. This morning, Father, we thank you for the joy of your salvation. We thank you for the joy of our first love, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning. Holy Spirit, that right now you would bring to remembrance in every heart and in every mind that first time of encountering the liberty, the joy, and the love of your presence. The first time that the gospel hit our hearts, Lord. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would bring that joyful encounter to mind. That you would stir up our hearts to remember the joy of our salvation. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you make it profoundly simple in our hearts today. That loving you is the most profound, but the most simple thing that we can do with our lives every single day. Lord, I thank you that you are stirring up wild, radical, zealous lovers of God in 24-7 church, Lord. You are raising up a people that will take the low place that find their greatest joy in sitting at your feet, listening to your words, and from that place, commissioning us in your love and in your anointing to change the world with the gospel. Lord, I bless every person in this room, and I thank you, Lord, that this week would be marked by encounter, revelation, and just your word beginning to touch and transform our lives deeper and deeper every single day. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the gospel. May we never forget the joy and the wonder of knowing you, Lord. I pray that you take us deeper and deeper into that revelation every day, Lord. That loving you is the greatest adventure of our lives. The greatest joy of our lives. The greatest privilege of our lives. Would you impart joy today, Holy Spirit? Would you impart the joy of loving you? The joy of... Of ministering to your presence. The joy of being yours. In Jesus name Lord. We love to be yours. We love being your sons and daughters. We love you Lord. We worship you.